The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Welcome to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay. And the only culture I've ever been exposed to is bacterial. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) On the bright side, that culture was pure. So, which is what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Wow, that was a good one. I'm so glad you like it. Oh my god, I wasn't even expecting that. (laughs) I mean, literally, I've been exposed to every single bacterial culture. I'm a walking human petri dish. So, you know, put it all on me. Yeah, own that. (laughs) Oh my god. So, we are talking about purity culture. I have no idea what that is because I am the most impure unclean human ever (laughs) but thankfully my guest today knows all about purity culture and today we have erica smith hi erica hi thanks for having me thank you for coming on so first of all let's start with who you are and what you do sure so i am a sex educator also and my background is that I used, I worked for a long time doing sex ed with young people that were in juvenile detention here in Philadelphia. But I have, I um, started my own sex ed business a couple years ago. And now I focus on adults who were raised in purity culture. And, you know, I'm sure you'll ask me what that is, but (laughs) I'll just answer it briefly. Um, So Purity culture to the clients I work with is um, most of them were raised in extremely conservative religious environments where they were denied accurate information about sex, given an abstinence only curriculum if they were given any at all, and were told incredibly shameful, damaging, and untrue messages about sexuality. So I work to help them understand all of the stuff they missed and give it to give them the education in a way that's like, not stigmatizing and super queer inclusive. You mean to tell me that religious people have damaging ideas about sex? (laughs) I mean, it's a shocker. (laughs) Whoa, I could not have figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. So why, like, why focus specifically on purity culture? What drew you to, like, your work focusing on this aspect of sex education? So, I mean, I, I, watched people grow up in this kind of environment not I did not specifically myself Um, that's one thing I like to make clear I was not raised in purity culture I was raised by like 
what I would consider a pretty sex positive, chill family who was not overtly religious. Like I didn't go to church as a kid. I wasn't raised with a God that was like scary and mean and punishing. So it wasn't my experience, but I remember, you know, the rise of abstinence only education in the United States and watching it happen and knowing that it was really harmful. And it's only in the last few years that people have been coming out of that as adults and talking about the harm that it caused them. And I read a book that's a really great, a really great resource. It's called Pure and the author is Linda K. Klein. And Linda wrote about her own experiences growing up in purity culture, but also she researched other people who grew up in it. And it seems that they all had a lot of the same experiences um, and symptoms like um, like almost like a PTSD around sex and anxiety and a lot of like even sometimes physical manifestations of anxiety like vaginismus. Um, so when I, I read about that and I started asking other folks like, hey, did you, did anyone I know grow up this way and how do you feel like it's affected your sexuality? And I got this massive response like people were just dying to share about it and talk about how angry they were that this like actual information was kept from them about their own bodies and their own sexuality and i just i realized then that it was a a timely need like you know american not just american but primarily because <laughs> we love to export our bullshit all over the world but um american conservative evangelical Christians created this problem and created all this trauma and harm. And I am happy to help people who were harmed by the church and by, you know, the like white Christian patriarchy, because I've always been critical of it. And now I'm like, I, I will give you the information that, that was kept from you. That's so hard to believe that church and christians could harm other people oh my yeah. god they talk about being all "Ooh, i'm so good and pretty and i'm going to heaven and all you sinners are gonna go to hell and i'm like that sounds like fun to be quite honest if hell includes having like multiple dicks in my ass count me in like I think the Lil Nas X version of Hell does. <laughs> <gasps> yes. Oh my God. He's so cute. He's so fine. I swear. He is like Lil Nas X. He's and so like uh, he's so yummy. I can't. <laughs> uh, I love him. So how did you make the jump? Because earlier you mentioned like you were working in juvenile detention. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. How did you make the jump from there to purity culture? I was making um not making. I was working so in Philadelphia, I, I had a job at a major children's hospital and that is, it was through that hospital that I worked with youth in detention. And I, I had done it for 17 years and I just was like ready for a career change, ready to be self-employed. It was a goal and a dream of mine to be a self-employed sex educator. And I didn't know exactly what my focus would be. And then it just sort of like, organically happened that I saw this need right when I was trying to figure out like, how am I going to market myself? Like, I mean, truly, that's the kind of thing you have to think about. Like, um, you know, who, who needs sex ed so much that they're going to seek it out as an adult and who are those people? And I saw the really big need in 
in folks coming out of purity culture. And that's, that's how I made that decision. It was like, I like to target my work towards the people who need it the most, the people whose lives can be like radically changed from having good sex ed. And yeah, it just, it kind of fell into place. Ooh, I love that. That's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Also like, like just to sidetrack a bit, like you are so absolutely gorgeous and punk rock. And I like, love that about you (laughs) like the tattoos and everything are totally like doing it for me i'm just oh yeah i have them covered with this little thing but here you can you can see them all i love it no i love it it's like so (laughs) like hail hail satan i love it (laughs) it is it Um, does um it does kind of help me out you know (laughs) oh yeah it's totally on brand with your like fuck your purity nonsense let me be Mm -hmm. dirty let me be a slut Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what does uh purity culture sound like or w- more specifically like where do we see purity culture in our society or like um you know how can we be aware of like oh that's not right that's purity culture i don't like that what yeah. are we looking for so this is a great question i feel like there are some very specific messages that don't just get Um, promoted by the church, but also just get promoted by like mainstream society in general. And those are messaging that sexuality in itself is somehow harmful and bad and that we need to protect children from any mention of it. That there is a very clear gender binary, that there's only men and women and that they are complementary and very different and that we have to be attracted to each other. So it's like no queerness, no gender queerness in purity culture. Um, The notion that all of us need to be heading towards heterosexual monogamous marriage that we will stay in forever until one of us dies. Like that is a, (laughs) you look so bored. (laughs) That is definitely a tenet of purity culture. And, and that, mostly the people that end up carrying the heaviest burden from all this are women who are told that your sexual desire is bad, dirty, gross. You were damaged if you have sex, if you, you know, they prize virginity very deeply. So the thought that if you lose your virginity, you know, that that's even a thing you can do quote, lose your virginity and that that uh, damage is a real thing. Uh. No, <laughs> but like it's the really thought not. that it, if you have sex, it will absolutely damage your worth as a person. And they don't teach young men this quite as much as they emphasize it on young women. It's like they, I mean, in Christian purity culture, they tell girls to, you know, save yourself for marriage and just pray that you meet a man that's also done the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, to meet a man? Ugh. Yeah. Just the thought of talking to a man. I mean, I'm attracted to men. I don't like men. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> but like, oh, that's terrifying. But like, where does that even like come from? Like, how does how do those like really old school Christian ideals like all of a sudden translate into people who are not religious? Because I see it all the mm-hmm. time with people who are like not atheist or who are atheist or agnostic Mm -hmm. or that are not part of any sort of organized religion but yet 
I'm pretty sure there is some form of purity culture that's deeply ingrained within yes. them. So if it's not a religious background, what does it sound or look like from a person that's not from any sort of religion? I, I love that you made that connection because I feel like it's so important to acknowledge that these values, they are, I mean, they're like white supremacist values that came from European colonizers who came to, you know, the United States, Canada, and then imported this shit everywhere. So like, these are values that, you know, have a long history and have been historically used to control populations of people. So, um, you know, there I've read about how some of the like native indigenous people that were living in where is now the United States had very different ways of approaching sexuality and gender and relationships. And they were forcibly like shoved into these like colonial ideas of gender and sexuality. So, I mean, we see it in just the gatekeeping around sexuality, like that having too many partners is a terrible thing that like the, the um, the double standard where like, you know, especially if you're a woman, you shouldn't have too many partners. We see it in slut shaming and we see it in all facets of rape culture, which blame people for being the object of somebody else's lust or violence. So that's another big purity culture value is that like you can ask for it somehow um, that, you know, you don't have like sovereignty over your own body um, that, you don't get to say no, but you are like tempting and inviting other people to violate you, basically. Ew, I'm just wearing a tank top. And for some reason, people think that's permission to get into my body. Excuse me. I know and I look hot. You can just tell me. That's, I mean, that's explicitly what they teach, what they, meaning like, you know, churches and purity culture values. They will like straight up tell young women, like, Oh, here's a good example of it. This is a story that broke in the New York Times this week or like yesterday. There was a high school. Where the fuck was this high school? A high school yearbook photoshopped out the cleavage lines of all of the female students. So the girls got the yearbooks back and it looked like all of their shirts were up to here with a really, really poor Photoshop job. All because this school was like, I guess they didn't think anyone could handle seeing like, you know, a half inch uh, indicating that somebody has breasts. That is purity culture. Oh my God. Oh, it's like, oh, uh, a little bit of, of, of a boob. <laughs> exactly. Like, like just an inch, an inch suggesting titties may be under there. <laughs> or like when, uh, you go to like a uh, Catholic high school or something and they tell you to cover up your shoulder or like exactly. your bra strap is showing like, yep, all oh of that. God, uh, a bra strap. Oh, that's so titillating. <laughs> well, it's also usually um, the people that are over policed in that way tend to be women of color and fat people. So like, or people that have developed more than others. So like, if you have larger breasts, they're going to be harder on you about the dress code. It's like, this is, you know, it's, it's unevenly enforced because it's like directed mm -hmm. to the people whose sexuality is seen as the most threatening. Mm -hmm. I was actually about to ask, like, 
in your uh, study of purity culture, do you see like a pattern in who is more deeply affected by it? Like, is there a demographic? Um, I can just speak to who reaches out to me the most, and it would be women and queer people. I know that men, like cis men, have been affected. I have worked with cis male clients, but either they don't experience it. I mean, I know they don't don't experience the exact same way, but I also don't know if they are even comfortable enough to talk to somebody about it. But in you know, it's mostly women because women are also taught to. God, there's so many. I mean, the problematic messaging. Women are also taught that like once you're married, you can't say no within your marital relationship. So you have to be Ew. Yeah. You have to be sexually available regardless of whether you want All the to. time. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So yeah, women and queer people, because queer people also don't exist <laughs> in that in that yeah. world. Yeah. Actually, like you're not talking to anyone right now. I am just a ghost. I'm I a ghost. A ghost is holding this cup. <laughs> <laughs> We're just two like spirits in the other realm talking about fucking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god, that's so like I I mean, I'm never going to know what it's like for purity culture to or how purity culture affects women. I just know how it affects me as like a gay man, but can you speak on how um, how purity culture has affected your clients? Like, what are some common patterns that you see emerge? Like, uh, is it a physical thing, a psychological thing? Like, what's mm-hmm. going on in their brain? Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. So, um, for one, just deep, deep shame when it comes to sex. So that manifests in a lot of different ways. Some people are unable to acknowledge or give themselves permission to like seek out pleasure. Like it feels very bad and it feels to them like sinful or guilty for wanting to have sex. So you get um, folks who are deeply uncomfortable with their own bodies, sometimes who are not even familiar with their own bodies. I've worked with a lot of women who were in their twenties before they even knew that women masturbated. Um, And women masturbate. What? some of them. <laughs> oh, well. Um and and uh, I mean women who 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 didn't understand like what the clitoris was until they were and we're talking about like cis women who, you know, just weren't not in touch with their bodies because they were deeply encouraged to be distant from them. Um that that results in folks not being able to communicate during sex, not being able to speak up for their needs with a partner. I've worked with a lot of clients who entered very young into marriages because that was the way that they could have sex. And some of them um, married folks that they would not have otherwise married because they were taught that once you have sex, no one else is going to want you because you're ruined. So you have to marry that first person. Um, So you get a lot of people that's like stay in abusive marriages. Um, Sometimes it does manifest physically for people. I've worked with a lot of cis women who have vaginismus. So just like painful difficulty uh, with penetration that can even mean difficulty, just like going to the gynecologist and having an exam. Yeah. And, and just a profound lack of understanding about a lot of sexuality topics and then so much discomfort about even addressing it, like not knowing 
where to get information, not knowing what is true and feeling really embarrassed to talk about it. Wow. That is the heaviest baggage to unpack. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, oh, how do you even begin to like, you know, start the dismantling of purity culture? Because I know you have uh, an entire program. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? The purity culture dropout program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like how do yeah. you start? Yeah. So one of the first things I do with anyone that I work with is I ask them like, how do you feel the messages you received about sex have affected you? And what are the biggest things you're struggling with right now? And it's so different for everyone, but based on their answers, I can see and pinpoint the areas in which I would like to begin exploring with them. So if I have somebody that says, I've never bought a sex toy, or I feel like deeply uncomfortable with pornography because I was taught that wanting to watch it was terrible. Um, those are the areas that I will start focusing on. And I also, <clears throat> instead of just bombarding them with a bunch of information, I find out what are their values now? What are they feeling about this stuff now? I like to help people unpack the values they were given and create their own, because that can also give them this sense of power. Like, if you were told to believe that virginity is sacred and sex is dirty, what do you actually believe? And it's sometimes just like wild to them that they get to define their own values. They're like, oh my God, it never, like I get to decide how I feel about sex. And so we work on them like creating their own ethics around sex. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's how it starts. And I find that the more they have sessions with me and the more they talk about sex they just get used to talking about it like it's not a big deal and so going through that process is really helpful for people just to be like wow i talked you know i'm dedicating time and space to talking about sex with someone and yeah it it's very healing oh it's kind of like talking to you know kids about like <laughs> You know, Santa's not real or oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's challenging oh, beliefs and being trauma informed. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of uh, kids, do you find that purity culture uh, is being passed on to the generations after us? And like, what does that look like? That is a wonderful question also. Um, there's there's two answers to this. Uh, the clients that I work with, by and large, are so dedicated to not um, continuing this pattern of harm for their kids, which is a beautiful thing. Like, I work with a lot of parents or a lot of people that plan to become parents, and they are like, I will absolutely not raise my kid in this bullshit. I, you know, want better for them. And I have a lot of cool parents I work with that are so open with their kids about sex because they don't want to continue causing harm. Yet the church itself is still doing the shit. Um, the big popular purity movement kind of peaked in the like 90s and early 2000s, but there is still a lot of information out there. It's all over Instagram too. And like, you know, you and I are plugged into the sex ed Instagram. So we see, we see what we want to see. We see the, like the folks that do what we do and who are open about sexuality and very sex positive. But there is also, God, there's like Christian influencers, as you can imagine, who are Christian influencing about purity. So it is reaching new generations. I just read that there is a massive Christian TikTok. 
and it's young kids because TikTok is for kids pretty much, right? So we're talking like 13 year olds to 20 year olds making all of this like Christian purity content on TikTok. So yes, it is still a thing. And it, it's, it's so shitty that it's still being replicated. Um, but the generation like millennials are by and large trying very hard to undo the harm caused to them. The ones that I know anyway. So yeah, there's, there's, it's oh, both. Ugh, I mean, I can't relate because I'm barely ever on TikTok. I don't know how to use any more of this technology. I'm like, I'll stick to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, I don't make TikToks. It feels like it feels like more of a commitment than I wanna. I already spend a lot of time yeah. on Instagram. I don't want I know, another so platform. I. <laughs> like, do I really need Gen Z's approval? Like, I'm. I know I'm a slut. I don't need you to tell me. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> So how do Oh god, you, like... I wait, I have something oh, else yeah, yeah. to interject because you're going to I can't wait to hear your reaction to this. Um Ooh, I have been noticing cool. a very very young generation of queers who are pretty anti-sex. What? It's they're no on way. Twitter, they're on Twitter. They get in fights with my friends. They say things like there should not be any sexuality at Pride. There should be no kink at Pride. They're Excuse like... Excuse me? It's... Seriously, Tim, I don't know what to think. I'm like, it's like a newfangled twist on purity culture that's like queer teenagers trying to tell older queers to stop being so sexual. Um... Excuse me, younger generation. We crawled so that you can walk. What are you talking about? There I mean, are literally people who died for, at these pride yes. events, and who like, like we're doing the work, and you're telling us not to fuck. I'm gonna fuck whoever I want. I'm gonna oh wear whatever God. the hell I want. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's. I mean, it's something that I've just been seeing in like the last year, and it's blowing my mind. Like people being like, there shouldn't be any sexiness at pride, and they're queer kids saying this and i'm like do you know what the generations older than you had to go through to just even get to be who we are like yeah yeah no it's that so that is a thing that i'm kind of just like keeping my eye on and being like what the fuck is up with this that's so weird and yeah. like, oh my god I i'm getting like goosebumps just thinking about young queer kids being anti-sex and it's just that's like what I it's I mean, if, if I come across it again on Twitter, I can show it to you. <laughs> Please. But like, the, oh, my God. I mean, it's 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 something else. It's something I did not expect to see. And I'm like, imagine growing up in a world where like, you know, if you were born in the 2000s, you're growing up in a world where queerness is more acceptable and more visible. And, and I'm like, you just. Do you not realize how proud we are of our sexuality for a reason? Like we, ha we had to be. <laughs> we had to, we have to live in this sexual orientation in this body in like things that I can't control. And you're telling me that I shouldn't be a B C or your whatever checkbox you're putting me in. Like, Oh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, I'm coming up with like a hypothetical little like blue like lives matter queer kid oh. in here and I'm, just like, I'm angry at him for no reason just like oh 
that's so uh that's mind-boggling to me that is two plus two equals five like what where do you think that comes from like how are queer kids being indoctrinated into purity culture without even being exposed to any religion i don't think it has anything to do with christianity i i imagine it as some kind of internalized homophobia Mm -hmm. and i'm still i'm still formulating my own thoughts on this because it's i mean i just watched this stuff happen on twitter i never speak up about it because i've i've read about um do you follow the gay chingy on twitter or instagram i do um do they use they or she pronouns i don't remember We'll, we'll use they for now okay so they have gotten in arguments with like young people about this and then like hordes of like anti-sex young people have like come and harassed them online oh god and i just kind of like so i haven't like spoken up about it on my account because i'm like i don't want to have to block a whole bunch of like teenagers that are deeply sex negative who may not even be able to understand why they have those ideas who are trying to tell older and by older queers i i mean like people in their 20s and 30s you know i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like it's weird to be a queer elder when i can, i feel like i'm going off on a tangent but yeah no, no like, i love it i love it yeah like oh so we're talking about like kids that are now considered they're they're gen z and what are they also called there's another name for their generation but like those people telling like millennials that you're you're being too sexual at pride and the, the Tide Pod generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the people before you, you know, were being too sexual at Pride and now you have to stop. And they've even policed like our ability to use the word queer to describe ourselves. Excuse me? That is our word. You do not get to tell me a word that's been used to harm me that I can't use that anymore. Oh my God. I'm so tired. Ugh. God, it's a, it I'm is, running a it fever. One of the me- it's so messy, and I, I mean, the root of all of it has to be homophobia. Mm, it, you know, I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. That's, but that's so odd. Just something like, to keep your I, eye on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I ever run into an anti-sex or sex-negative queer kid, I'm just gonna be like, oh, honey. Go on my website and pay me to dismantle all that for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that is that is wild. Wow, it's wild. Oh my god. So, yeah. th- like, the there's a whole like generation coming or being put into this weird like purity culture, and how do they get out of that? Like if they don't have anyone to look up to or they like revile the older queer generation how do they start to come out of that like say i'm this like anti-sex internalized homophobic queer kid and i'm just like hmm maybe i'm not on the right side of history here Mm -hmm. how do i unpack this like where does the line of questioning start i feel like we don't know yet like it will remain to be seen as you know these young people grow into adulthood like what their ideas about sex turn into and like 
Yeah, discourse around sexuality is fascinating and I like welcome it, but I also just, I, I, I have, yeah, I don't know what it will look like for them when they get older and maybe begin to be more comfortable with their sexuality and have queer role models. Like, yeah. Mm. Is it possible to be like fully free and liberated from the binds of purity culture? That's a great question too. You have a lot of great questions. Um, Thank you. I, I have a podcast. Say, <laughs> I think that it is something we challenge and fight against every day. So I'm somebody who was raised without sexual shame and I truly have never felt, I've never felt it. I don't know what it feels like to be ashamed of wanting sex, of having sex, even though, you know, I'm growing up in the same sex negative culture as everyone else. I wouldn't even consider myself a hundred percent liberated from the purity bullshit because you know, every once in a while, like those thoughts just kind of snag in your head. Like, I don't know. I think it's something that you, you have to be really aware of and you can push back against, but completely eliminating it from your psyche is, is pretty difficult. Cause like it's baked into all of us in the same way that like, you know, like white supremacy is baked into everyone. We all grow up just like mm -hmm. with that, with those notions and mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think it's something that you have to just like work to dismantle and be aware of. Mm -hmm. um, I love your Instagram feed because it gives me like concrete examples of phrases and sentences of what purity culture uh, looks like, like basically mm -hmm. the red flags. Uh, can you tell the audience like what are some of the common purity culture phrases that you see? Like say I'm on a date and then this guy says xyz and then i have to be like oh that's a purity culture thing i should look out for that mm. so what is that what are some examples that you can provide um gosh let me think so i don't i don't necessarily know that these are things that folks would say on dates <laughs> that gay guys would say on dates or that's i mean so like funny. anyone just like anyone to look at like it doesn't have to be a guy dating a guy yeah. but like anyone okay so know? like people thinking okay some examples um you know, that you can have too many sexual partners, that you should be concerned about your quote number. Um, that so the if notion... someone asks for like, oh, how many have you slept with? Yeah, and then had, and then like had an issue with it, needing that information about you. Um, also the notion that people with with more than one partner are, are you know, we're just teaming with STIs. Uh, the idea that STIs are quote dirty or would make us somehow like you know marked as people like that that an sti is going to damage your value um i'm damaged goods nobody's gonna love me because i got chlamydia <laughs> oh god yeah Give it a rest. yeah <laughs> um what else i know like you said something about energy or like oh, how that's that. kind of a purity thing yeah, yeah. so noticed is that there are some and you know i can see this on specific instagram accounts but there are people that are like consider themselves sort of like spiritual practitioners or like new age spiritual type people and mm -hmm. they'll they'll say things like 
when you have sex with someone, you are combining your energies and you don't want to combine your energies with just anyone because when you have sex, it's a soul experience and you are taking on all of their pain and their trauma. And it's like, if that's how you want to think about sex, that's cool. But I see purity culture when you use that to control other people's actions around sex. And when you use that to tell other people that you you are having too much sex or you're having too many partners and you make it sound like they become bad or dirty as a result. Ooh, yeah, because I think I've seen like some accounts that I've had to unfollow because of like their message around sex is like uh, someone calls or, or like differentiates between junk food sex and gourmet yes, sex. Yes, yes, that, that right there. Mm -mm. Like, Mm -mm. why why do you need to make that distinction like th that's assigning right. deep value and making people feel bad if they don't have sex that is quote-unquote gourmet like <laughs> fucking stupid like who are you to call me a junk food eater also <laughs> like i like junk food every now and then like come on i would like sit on the couch with my hand in my pants watching a porno and a bowl of popcorn like leave me alone <laughs> yeah but like I, I i can still have great sex with a stranger in the bathroom of an old dirty bar and have the exact same experience with like a bdsm scene or like you know, velvet sheets and like scented candles or whatever it is that corny people do. Sorry. Like, <laughs> what does, uh, how about I've the never... streets do? I think they have sex on bearskin rugs. <laughs> Every single time. And they always have to like light a fire. And when the woman <laughs> orgasms, it like, or if the woman orgasms, Ish. it has to like, you know, pan up to the moon so mm -hmm. that we don't see what it looks like. Or they orgasm simultaneously every single time. <laughs> wow, simultaneous orgasms. I've only ever read about it. <laughs> oh my God. Can you even like, please? I have never like experienced a romantic event with a man. So I, I would never know. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, okay. A uh, person, regardless of what age, uh, decides, okay, I no longer want to be part of this. I'm going to attend Erica's Purity Culture Dropout Program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what does the recovery process look like to the person that is just coming out of Purity Culture? Like, uh, like does it, is there a shift in their mentality or like how does it start to manifest in their life? Like mm -hmm. what have you observed in those uh, dropouts? So a lot of times it starts with questioning Christianity as a whole and questioning their own teach, like the things they were taught about religion and God. A lot of times when folks get to me, they're in various stages of deconstructing their Christianity. So, I mean, I work with people that still consider themselves Christian. They just don't ascribe to the version of God they were taught. Um, I, I feel like it's important to note the way that like Jesus was presented in the Bible as like an actual human person. He was like a, pretty much a socialist. He was very compassionate. He washed the feet of whores. He hung out with whores. He fed the I bet Jesus was also a huge slut. We just don't read about it. <laughs> we because... don't know. 
like what is it the bible talks about his birth and skips an entire like few decades and goes right into like when he's dead and like (laughs) there's something there's something missing you know he he probably fucked around (laughs) so there is like that disconnect between like kind um you know socialist biblical jesus and then like white american conservative like capitalist conservative we love guns and we hate abortion and gays jesus and so a lot of the people by the time they come to me they have like completely challenged and rejected that you know pro-gun hating abortion jesus some of them are are settled on i am a christian but i don't believe that bullshit other people that come to me have fully um given up the idea of christianity totally so i get folks who are like i don't believe in god anymore i don't believe i'm not a christian i don't identify as a christian so i mean sometimes it's the purity culture stuff that makes them question christianity in the first place like i i always ask people what were the things that put the first cracks in it for you and a lot of times it has to do with queerness sometimes they'll say like i had a gay friend and I couldn't reconcile what I learned at church about what, how I was supposed to perceive him. My gay friend was awesome. I could not understand, or like my brother was gay and I just, you know, how was, how is he a bad person? So that's often what does it. Um, Yeah, it's different things, but they, some of them, they just start smelling bullshit. And for some people that happens young when they're like, yeah, I was like 13 and I knew that something was, I was being taught some pretty shitty stuff. Other folks don't have that realization until they are much older. Uh, This is more of like a personal question, but like, do you have any like friends or family that have uh, been affected by purity culture in a more deep and intimate level uh, compared to you because like you you tell me that like uh you've never been raised around sexual shame which i love so much but like mm-hmm. have you seen it within like your close circle no <laughs> oh, good um, oh i love that the interesting thing is i have now become like i have become dear friends with some of my some people that came to me as clients like you know we work together very closely and now i'm like i love you as a human and we're cool we're friends now but um, you know, I I didn't grow up with people that had that kind of world, and in college, all of my friends were like feminist queer sluts, <laughs> and you know, now I again I'm very close to a lot of people that grew up in purity culture, but they're they're newer friends to me. They're people that I've made friends with like in the last couple years. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. I love the <laughs> fact that you surround yourself with like the most radical feminist, like <laughs> queer people. Like I need more of that. Come on. I'm so tired of gay men just being in my circle. Like just give me some, I don't know, Foucault and Harvey Milk type of <laughs> people. <laughs> I want that. Um, do you like have a vision of what uh society looks like free of purity culture just like out of curiosity i know it's kind of like a really heavy question but yeah what does that look like for you that's god that's another great question um i feel like to answer it like answering it to the deepest 
depths, it would have to involve the dismantling of all of the systems that uphold purity culture, which would mean like racism, sexism, fat phobia, like capitalism, that that is big shit. But because that's probably, you know, I know that is a big idea. What I what I can envision realistically in like my lifetime is just giving children and giving young people true, accurate and shame free information about their bodies so that when they are, you know, sexual adults and when they're having relationships, they don't feel shame about it. They can make informed decisions about their own lives. They feel confident in their ability to seek pleasure. They feel happy um, with their sexuality and not scared of it or ashamed of it. And I see, I see people in my life raising kids that way now, and it's beautiful. Um, and those kids are going to be so much better equipped as adults to navigate relationships and to experience their sexuality in like a positive and fun way. And like, you know, so I'm just, the way I see it happening with people raising kids with more open ideas about gender sexuality and what sex means is that that's my, you know, that's the short term vision. Oh, I mean, it is optimistic and realistic. And I, I also have the same hope. Like one day I hope that we can like just all have as much sex as we want and all the fun sex and just like leave people alone. Please. If I want to be a whore, leave, let me be a whore. Mind your business. (laughs) And letting people like have their own relationship structures, you know, not every family has to be a monogamous mom and dad family. Like there would be poly families and just, you know, people making the choices that look right for them. Oh my God. That's a dream to just have like a cute little polycule of like, (laughs) You know, multiple parents and like children, and they're all gathering together. I I don't know if you read um, Sex at Dawn by Christopher Riot and Casilda Jatha. Uh-uh. They talk about like, uh, oh, it's great. It, it talks about sex in like this um, an anthropological standpoint where they talk about like uh, back when humans were hunters and gatherers, uh, we shared everything. We were fiercely egalitarian. We shared food. We shared property. We even shared sexual partners. So mm-hmm. like we used to live in a very sexually liberated society until, you know, Western colonization came in and like whatever Christian ideals came in and like was and fucked that all up for us. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I want to go back there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, to go back there. I like reminding the people I work with also that people have been doing the freakiest sex shit since the dawn of time. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the way modern Christians phrase it is like nowadays people are just so depraved. And I'm like, have you heard of the Romans? Have you heard of the Greeks? (laughs) Like they just stayed having orgies and like they discovered dildos in like caves, you know, like anytime we have a written record of human history, there's sexual content in it. Like, to pretend that like open sexuality is something new that humans are doing in the year 2000 is fucking hilarious. Like Mm -hmm. I am like, take a look at the wider historical context of sex and you'll see that people have been like 
cheating, cross-dressing, <laughs> using sex toys, you know, engaging in like kink since the beginning of history. Mm -hmm. Like they've been doing kink and BDSM and poly relationships since we were organisms, little tiny cells. Like, uh, where did it all go south? God. <laughs> uh, so. I think just like just a couple uh, questions left because we're, we are reaching the end of the session, but mm -hmm. um, I want to know what is it that we as shame-free purity culture dropouts, what, what can we do to start to slowly dismantle purity culture within our lifetime and in our everyday mm -hmm. life so that we can get towards that vision of a society free from purity culture? I think... Um it's really helpful to live as an example of what shame-free sexuality can look like. So I feel like you're doing that. Like, you're just like, Thank this you. is me. I'm open. I have sex. I enjoy it. Um, giving people different, you know, examples of what it can be like also to be like a queer adult. Um, Cause you know, queers who come out of purity culture, that's like a whole extra struggle. And sometimes I don't think they, see what it can be like to like be just living op openly um challenging it when you see it if if people are promoting like purity culture values in your life even unintentionally like even the language we talk about sex with like if someone says a person is dirty or they're using like slut shaming language or they're using like victim blaming language speaking up and challenging that and also like pushing for better sex education for young people. This is, I don't know what's going on in Canada right now, but we have a lot of- It's the of, same as the States. It's the uh, same. Well, that's true. Yeah. I have a really good friend that works in um, Planned Parenthood in Saskatchewan, and she talks about it all the time. I, I mean, that in, in her particular area, she's in Regina. Um, but I'm thinking about, all of the bills we have and all of the like fights in school districts where conservative families don't even want us to talk to young people and tell them that like gender identity is a thing. Um, you know, so pushing for better sex ed for kids, if you have kids in your life, raising them with, with better sex education, raising them without shame and guilt. And I hope to see like a wave of that happening with with the generations as they get older mm -hmm. and like we got to stop quote unquote canceling each other because mm -hmm. it's not really gonna <laughs> it's not really gonna do much for the vision of a society free from purity like we got to hold space for people to learn and that's true like hold our, each other accountable and like cancel culture is not a real thing i'm so over it like cancel me <laughs> if i ever say anything fine but you know you're still listening to this and like i'm still getting ad revenue money baby <laughs> i mean yeah i i'm also into the idea of like folks are gonna make mistakes along the way and i don't want to mm -hmm. completely write them off if they are people that are well-intentioned allies and who are trying mm -hmm. to do better so mm -hmm. yeah like, like people you that want to learn oh yeah i mean we're gonna fuck up we're gonna fuck up i'm like i'm a white woman i'm bound to fuck up <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like you know i i I'm, do want to create i'm a gay man that. i'm already a fuck up <laughs> <laughs> no i'm perfect in every single way i am pure 
<laughs> yeah, De redefine purity. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We got to redefine purity. We're we're all going to be shameless. That's the goal. Oh my god. That is Erica, the goal right there. You you are so lovely. I love having you on. You are Thank so full you. of knowledge and you are just so punk rock and like uh I can't get enough of you. I'm pretty sure the audience will not be able to get enough of you as well. So uh, where can people find you? Like, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, um, I would love to just, I mean, I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is Erica Smith Sex Ed, Erica with a C. My website is purityculturedropout.com. Um, so that's where I can be found. I don't TikTok. <laughs> but I wanted to very quickly shout out my beloved and recently lost great uncle he was a gay man that lived in upstate new york who said he he felt the most affirmed and seen when he came to toronto and saw the Woo! rainbow flags and he, he he passed away in his 80s so he was a gay man in like the 50s and 60s so when i think you know of, of people having to fight um for the right to be who they are and love who they are i think of him so next time you're out at a toronto gay bar just like have a drink for my uncle oh my god may your uncle rest in perfection <laughs> and i will he was a bear he was a leather daddy Ooh, oh my god <laughs> i can't wait to see him when we're in heaven and be like hey erica's uncle i know he Hi. was the best and I love oh having a queer elder. And so when I'm like, oh, you're a gay man in Toronto, like pour one out for my Uncle Butch. His name was Uncle oh Butch. <laughs> uncle Butch. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be such a weird question, but is your uncle hot? <laughs> I mean, he was 83 when he died. I'm sure he was hot. That's still hot. to 83 year olds. So. <laughs> still hot. I love I, like having I sex never with older saw men. Pictures. Yeah. I never saw pictures of him, um, in his youth, but he did tell me I used to look real good in my leathers. So. Ooh. Okay. I hope to see him when we're all in heaven and we're all free from shame and just. <laughs> or like... when we're in the Lil Nas X version of hell. Yes. That would please. be, he would like that place too. <laughs> oh my God, please. I will give your uncle a lap dance and a pole dance. Just like everything. I love it. <laughs> that is well, beautiful. Erica, oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, audience, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast, and we'll see you again in another episode. Bye! Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah.